Maximize Your Influence is your podcast for the latest persuasion, sales, and negotiation techniques. Our mission is to help you influence on command, anyone, anytime, anywhere. Your host is the author of Persuasion IQ, Laws of Charisma, and the best-selling book, Maximum Influence. Now, your host, Kurt Mortensen. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Kermorn's here, podcast 455 of Maximize Your Influence, where we get, we are going to explore FOMO versus trust versus scarcity versus instant action. How do you get people to want to do what you want them to do and like doing it? It's all about influence. It's all about persuasion. It's all about human nature. It's all about helping others persuade themselves. We all know it. You've seen it before. Maybe it was a prospect. They needed it. They wanted it. They liked it. They could afford it but they still said no. The moment they sense that you're trying to sell them, persuade them, influence them, they're going to resist. Not all people, but most people will do this. We got to get past that. Again, think about it. How much easier it'll be when people persuade themselves. People close themselves. People say, how do I get started before you even get to the end of your presentation? So everyone's having an awesome week. Things are going well. You're achieving your goals. You're putting more tools in that influence toolbox. That's what it's all about. Don't be the average person with three, four, maybe five influence tools. Man, there's over a hundred. In fact, I'm categorizing over 200 little tools, little techniques that you can use to be more persuasive. Hey, tell me if you own a postal digger. <laughs> I find in seminars, very few people do. Kind of a straight down vertical shovel type thing. Bottom line, the point I'm trying to make, well, you might use it once a year, but when you need it, you need it. If it closes the deal, persuades the person you want persuaded, you need to get these tools. So let's kick it off. Let's start off with a persuasion ninja. Go. Now, if you've been a subscriber for the show for a while, you know I'm not a car person. I'm a boat person. And it was the week of the boat show. Always nice during winter time when there's snow on the ground to look at the nice new boat. <laughs> anyway, I was talking to a person who was a company I hadn't seen before. They just bought the rights. His boat was kind of in between a pontoon boat. It had this big hole, big deck, but it could be used for wake surfing. It could be used as the party boat. It was kind of in the middle. That was his niche. And it was just refreshing because I'm pretty schooled on the world of boats. I know the pros, cons, most of the companies, and he did too. He says, all right, this is where we are. This is our niche. They're better over here. They're less expensive here. They're more expensive here. They last longer here. We last longer here. Wow, that's refreshing because your consumer's going to do the research anyway, especially B2B. They've looked you up. They know what's going on. They know your strengths and weaknesses. Own it. Talk about it. Now, you don't want to be the free consultant all the time, but you want to point out your strengths, point out your weaknesses. And if you feel uncomfortable, do that. Go back to the archives at MaximizeYourInfluence.com and realize that when you reveal a weakness and turn it into a strength, it actually increases trust. Anyway, these shows are great with the videos, building the dream, the sunshine, but they're good at building the dream. I just did 10 points to this representative salesperson, whatever you want to call them, very educated, knew the market, was willing to talk about the pros and cons. Here's the challenge. And this is how it used to be. 
It was always the positive, couldn't say anything negative, and now we're so skeptical and distrusting that if it's too good to be true, it's not true, even though it could be true for you. So that is our Ninja of the Week, which brings us to our email. Oh, boy! Now remember, use your email on the show. You get the free version at InfluenceUniversity.com, the gold version. And this is going to Oliver in Finland. Of course... I can be reached at Kurt, K-U-R-T, at MaximizeYourInfluence.com, or just go to MaximizeYourInfluence.com for your free persuasion IQ assessment, the free book Maximum Influence, links to InfluenceUniversity.com. That's the everything I've created in one spot website. So check that out and let me know what you think. So Oliver from Finland says, just Kurt, I just finished listening to your trust module in Persuasion IQ, and I saw this article. And I want to play fact or fiction. <laughs> Since I know your last couple of podcasts have been talking about subconscious triggers and the importance of triggering the right feelings. And I want to know your thoughts, fact or fiction. So here's the geeky, scurly article. So this comes from the Journal of Political Behavior. Rice University scientist Rick Wilson and Texas A&M University economist Catherine Eckel. Now, hold on. This is what I said. We're going to be talking about FOMO and trust today. Is that the title is this. Can you judge trustworthy based on looks? Research says no. Which is kind of a little bit different than what I've been saying. That people look at you and there's a feeling. Is it looks? Is it that subconscious trigger, that feeling? Let's go through it. Oliver, I'll let you know what I think. Again, these links can be found at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. Anything I talk about, I'll put a link in there for you. So we've all heard the article says that he or she looks trustworthy. As it turns out, you can't trust appearances. (laughs) So they talked about George W. Bush. This was early 2000s. He looked at the Russian leader Vladimir Putin's eyes and found the Russian leader to be trustworthy. They say many people claim to be able to read their counterparts in bargaining settings. There's little doubt that this would be valuable skill. How often do they get it right? And so they went and did their studies, they asked subject in this study to view photos of different people to guess their trustworthiness level. Now, the subject were motivated by their correct answers. They got paid more for correct answers, for accuracy. They were getting paid. They were looking at the incorrect guesses, and they were tied to distinctive characteristics. They found that subjects were influenced by stereotypes based on features seen in the photos, gender, attractiveness... And they said, our results reveal that people are fooling themselves when they think they can predict trustworthiness from appearance alone. Well, sure, I would say fact, just appearance alone, that is a factor. But still, people can peg it pretty good just by appearance. Now, what's interesting is attractiveness. we got to be careful here. Let me add to this the halo effect. This is in Maximum Influence of the Law of Connectivity to where the better you look, people think you are more trustworthy. So I'm not sure how they put that into the study to where if you're looking good, people will trust you more. Now, when I put up different photos and ask people to rate their trustworthiness, for some reason, I'm very hurt about this, women are more trusted than men. That's not fair. (laughs) Well, life's not fair. That's just how it is. I mean, if you look at pure statistics, women probably are more trusting. When you meet someone in a dark alley, it's probably not the woman going to beat you up. It's probably the man. I mean, not 100%. It's just there. I don't Do I get in trouble for things like that? Maybe. 
In Hollywood, the bad, mean, ugly person, the criminals, usually a guy, not always. Even in Vegas, there's probably more booth babes than booth dudes. You're like, what is that? <laughs> if you've ever been to a convention, you hire good-looking people, males and females, that just look good. They know nothing about the product, the service, the company, but they look good, they smile, and it attracts people. Even the judicial system, when people look good, they get reduced prison sentences. I mean, it's just how it is. I know it's not fair, but that's part of it. So that concerns me as part of the study. They go in and they kind of mock these world leaders that say, oh, they can judge trustworthiness. They're like, can they? And they said, we're skeptical. I mean, you have to understand that if somebody looks like someone that has wronged you or an evil villain in a film, yeah, that's going to hurt trust. That's a subconscious trigger. That's part of the attraction, part of the appearance. And a photo? We're missing so much from a photo. That really bothers me in this study. You're just missing so much. Smells, colors, the interaction, the tone of voice, and then all those, the subconscious triggers we've talked the last couple of weeks, can help or hurt in the trust process. Even let me share some other studies. For men, higher foreheads can increase trust. Most CEOs we've talked about are taller than average. Weight can help or hurt. Glasses can make you appear more intelligent, more trustworthy. Facial hair can hurt short-term, help long-term. The amount of eye contact, too much, too little. The way you're dressed, the color of your clothes. I'm going to say both fact and fiction. There's some good stuff there. We do judge on appearance, and we're not right all the time. I like to say we're right most of the time. That's why the brain develops shortcuts, as we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. But you have to look at the situation. Now, when it's a known situation, it's normal and feels comfortable, that can trigger more trust. That's the subconscious side that they're not addressing as far as surroundings and the verbals, the nonverbals of the person. Now, when things are unknown and it's an abnormal situation, you're feeling uncomfortable, you've never been there before, you're not sure what to expect, that can automatically trigger distrust, regardless of the person's looks. So I'm just saying what we're missing here too, we have to look at the situation. Now in business and persuasion, if somebody recommended you, your company, your product or service, somebody said that you're a trustworthy person, somebody gave you a testimonial, introduced you, you come from a good company or you come from a good industry, you're in a profession that's well-trusted, that's going to increase how much people trust you based on your looks. Now it's interesting when we talk about looks, we got to talk about Ted Bundy, or Theodore Robert Bundy, we'll go to Wikipedia here, he was an American serial killer. And he was he's just not a good person. Kidnapped, raped, murdered. This is during the 70s. He confessed over 30 murders in seven different states. And this was in the 70s. And the reason I bring him up, if you've ever studied this, people liked him. They connected with him. Girls would easily hang out with him, go in his car with him. They're like, what? This guy's a serial killer. What's going on? So Insider.com did a interview with Daryl Turner. He's a forensic psychologist. He says, what's going on? What happened here? How was he able to do this for so long? And he said, because he was ordinary. And there's something about just being ordinary that people connect with you. Because when you're too beautiful, too handsome, there's a little disconnect there. When you look good, like an ordinary person, he was just ordinary. He was charming. He was handsome. He's charismatic. He was young. And people were drawn to him. And even more than that, it wasn't just the looks, the charming and being handsome. You know, he was a psychology student and a law student. He worked on presidential campaigns. He volunteered at the suicide hotline. He campaigned for the governor of Washington. He was just likable. 
He appeared successful, and that's what made him so dangerous. Normal people, like other normal people, we like people that are similar. So he used his cunning charm and sympathy to win trust of victims, lower their defenses, he subdued them. We're not right 100% of the time, but we do judge on looks. I think we're doing better than we think, but there's also other factors there that I want to add to that. So Oliver, I'm going to say a little fact, some fiction, added some things to that that'll help you out, but trust is critical. That's what I want to talk about today is what are those 10 ways to create instant action? Is it using FOMO, fear of missing out, or trust? Do we use FOMO? Do we use trust? I'm going to say let's use both. How do you get people to make quicker decisions? Because the way the brain works, if they can put it off, they will put it off. Now, this is the most abused, overused law of persuasion existence. Scarcity, sell ends today. The FOMO, you have to do it now. So let's talk about some of those techniques to be able to do that, that FOMO. Now, first, trust is always the best. When people trust you, they accept you as the expert, then it becomes easy. Now, we've talked about this the last couple of weeks. Just let me remind you, for the trust, the big two, being competent, meaning teaching them something new in the very first four minutes, something new, unique, and different. You're the expert. You know more than they do, not in an arrogant way, but you can explain a new study, a new thought, a new feature, whatever it is, that will get people on your side. The second one is credibility, borrow credibility. Testimonial endorsement, recommendation, introduction. Borrowing that credibility is huge. So that's the trust side. So those are the big two for the trust side. So let's talk a little about the FOMO and give you some tools to help you out there. So trust, top of the list. Without trust, nothing else matters. It doesn't matter what you FOMO or scarcity urgency you use. It's also known as psychological reactants. And the reason it works is that we're a risk-adverse species. And according to Strategy Online, that 69% of millennials experience this FOMO, that they might miss out, they won't get it. Something else will happen, we'll never be around. Also known as loss aversion, again, abused, overused, I know. Sale ends today, last shoe left near size. We're gonna run out. <laughs> yeah, whatever, we'll come back tomorrow. And but then, then we have been burned. Let me just share a story with you. I was buying a car, working it out, you know, doing my persuading, negotiating. I'm like, all right, this is the one I want. I'll come back tomorrow with a check. He's like, oh, no, someone's coming at 7 p.m. tonight to look at this car. I'm like, okay, whatever, persuader. <laughs> so I came back the next day, and it was gone. <laughs> so I think we've been burned enough to know that we've missed out, whether it be an investment or buying something Wishing you've done something, it's all part of that. It's just part of our brain. I mean, you put a, a kid in a room with 20 toys and say, play with any of you want. Oh, don't play with this one. Play with any of these other ones. They approach the one they're not supposed to play with three times faster. That's how we're programmed. So how can you use this? So we're talking about 10 different ways. I talked about the two with trust. That causes action. When you're the expert and they trust you and you have credibility that you've borrowed, that you've earned... Influence and action is easy. You add these, it's even easier. Again, we don't want to be left out. We don't want to miss out the after Thanksgiving, the after Christmas holiday sales. It gets crazy. And that's why social media is full of the FOMO. In fact, one study found 56% of people are afraid they're going to miss out if they don't stay on top of what's happening in social media. So what can we do? Let me give you a few. Now, the key with these is that 
when you use scarcity and don't make things up, make sure it's real, it's legitimate. Please, as part of being a professional, don't ruin it for the rest of us where you're making things up. It's real legitimate. Make sure it's believable. And that means you're giving them a reason why the sale ends today, why the supply chain, why you could only take one coaching student a month, why it's believable. You've given a reason. That's what the brain needs. That's critical. And then reward them. Meaning scarcity works better for, for a lot of people when you're like, oh, sale ends today. But you know, if you do it today, I can give you an extra thousand minutes data. Hey, I, you need to decide this week because we're having some supply chain issues. But you do it today. You know what? I'm going to extend the warranty another year. Now, with all of these, that's going to be important. Let's give you a little more than 10 here. Let's just talk about a few of these that could really help you out. You don't want, as they say in the car industries, the be-backs. Oh, I'll be back. I'll be back. I'll be back. They're like, yeah, whatever. And in your mind, you're probably coming back, but you don't come back. That's why there's so much pressure and they use so much FOMO and scarcity and urgency. So here we go. Pick what works for you. Adapt it. Adjust it. Let's just go through some. Yeah, let's give you more than 10. Let's talk about more of these. So limited free shipping. You can also have limited stock, limited availability. I love what Home Shopping Network does. They have a countdown clock. It's only available 15 minutes. And there's a quantity of the products going down too. People love flash sales, being part of the group, inner circle, first 100 buyers you get. So flash sales can work really, really well. It also works well when you use the what I call the law of social validation. When there's other buyers or influencers, they can see how many other people are buying if bought. You can see that on Hotels.com where 14 people are looking at this property right now. I mean, they're completely different dates. They don't tell you that. Or they say 17 people. I've seen websites that's just scrolling the people have bought. So that social validation can increase the FOMO. And try to see, is your product the best selling, the number one in your area? the most popular, the biggest trend. What can you do to appeal to human nature there? There's only 17 left. I mentioned getting those testimonials as many as possible. And here's what's interesting. It's okay to have a few bad ones. <laughs> I mean, if you're looking at a restaurant and it has 50 five-star reviews and no bad reviews, you're like, wait a minute. That's Aunt Edna, Uncle Frank, Grandpa Joe, the mom, the dad. It's okay to have a few bad ones there. That's not bad. If there's too many good ones, they're like, wait a minute. So that increases that social validation. But whatever you do to miss out, to FOMO, I've done that before. You know, I'm big into blockchain, NFTs, those type of things. If you don't know what it is, find out it is the future. Anyway, I'm like, oh, the sale started, got the email, like, sold out. Three minutes, sold out. Man. So next time they did it, I FOMO'd. I bought too much, spent too much. I was on there. They did sell out, but I got mine. So I FOMO'd into it. I'm not sure if I needed it, but I did get it. But people can FOMO. They might miss out. So when you sell out that fine, right? No more this month, no more this year, whatever you need to do. And I think, you know, reminders are always good. Amazon's good at this. When you leave stuff in your cart, they remind you, hey, there's stuff in your cart because sometimes you don't remember. Time limits. Again, let them know why. Be careful online. Those clocks, the countdown clocks, you have 15 minutes and you hit refresh and then you have another 15 minutes. Pretty cheesy high lactose. If it's real legitimate, like on TV or if it doesn't refresh and you're going to commit to it and not offer it after the clock goes down, go for it. That's even true with negotiations. There has to be a deadline. We need a decision by this day because if you say, oh, anytime you want, it's never going to happen. 
I also love two add-ons. We know on the internet that the add-ons are cooler than the actual product. That's the whole, but wait, there's more type thing you see on infomercial. That creates urgency. Say, do it today. We're going to add on this, 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 and this. Put a value on it. That's an extra $100 value. And another one, create competition. First come, first serve. Others are looking at it. You sell your house, have everybody come at the same time. That's a whole different psyche than when people come one at a time. Could be your car, your home. I love the exit pops up, say, well, hey, here's another special. Do it right now. This is what you get. So you can mix and match, combine a lot of great ideas out there. We have used and tested over the years. They're tried and true. It works. It's powerful human nature 101. So those are the more than 10 ways to create instant action. Little trust, and then add a little FOMO, a little scarcity, a little urgency, a little psychological reactance. That's a wrap. Thanks for being here. That is Maximize Your Influence. So a lot of information today. Take one thing that you've learned, apply it, use it. Put it in your toolbox. Become a better negotiator, better influencer, build your trust, crank up the FOMO, and go out and persuade with power. 